47 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends at Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today we got a lot to do. I want to uh, basically start with the biggest takeaways from the month of February. I realize the Rangers only played seven games in the month, but that's not going to stop us. There's still a lot to discuss as it pertains to February and where this Ranger team stands going forward. Uh, We're also going to get into the news of the Rangers re-signing Johnny Brodzinski to a two-year contract. And of course, the Rangers going to be hosting the St. Louis Blues tonight. Pavel Buchnevich makes his return to Madison Square Garden. The puck drops at 7.30 for that. But once again, we're going to start with the biggest takeaways from the month of February. Of course, the Rangers only played in the seven games. There was initially a break in the NHL schedule for the purposes of accommodating the Olympics. The NHL didn't end up participating in the Olympics. Uh, so that was obviously unfortunate in and of itself. But for the month of February, the Rangers end up winning four of those games. They lose two of them, and they lose one in overtime. So not a bad month at all for the New York Rangers, although it did end with a two-game losing streak, which was unfortunate. I mean, think about it. They could have gotten through an entire month without a regulation loss, and I realize, again, it's, it's a shorter month. There's only seven games, but that still would have been uh, pretty cool to come on here and say, hey, yeah, the Rangers went undefeated in regulation for the entire month of February. But be that as it may, once again, some of the biggest takeaways from the month of February. I think we got to start with Alexi Lafreniere, and my takeaway is that he's playing the best hockey that we've seen him play since the New York Rangers made him the number one overall pick back in 2020. I know everyone was expecting or at least hoping for just insane levels of production from Alexi Lafreniere the second he's his you know, skate blades touched an NHL rink. Uh, That obviously has not happened, but I do think he's getting there. It's been a very gradual, but very progressive climb for Alexi Lafreniere. And obviously I think the move to the Ranger top line alongside Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad has worked wonders for Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, This has been pretty clearly, I think, the Rangers' best and most consistent line since the All-Star break. Uh, Honestly, I don't even really think that that's up for debate. And a point that I've made in the past, I'll make it again right here, right now. I think when you look at all the other Ranger forwards, and okay, who does Lafreniere really click with? Who does he have the best chemistry? I think it's Mika Zibanejad, and we've seen a couple instances of that in some recent games here. You know, I think a lot of us were all waiting for, and maybe in some ways still are waiting for, you know, that true highlight real moment from Alexi Lafreniere where he scores a goal by just, you know, faking everybody out of their skates and, and, you know, basically just uh, making the goalie flail out of the way and and putting the puck into the net. But, um, you know, we kind of got something of a true highlight reel moment for Alexi Lafreniere. And I think a lot of you probably know what I'm talking about. It happened recently in the Rangers 4-1 win against the Washington Capitals. Uh, There was a play where Lafreniere basically just exploded up the right side and made just a beautiful no-look drop pass for Mika Zibanejad. And, you know, I would have to go back and look at this replay to know for sure. And honestly, even watching the replay again, I might not be able to tell. I'm not sure if Mika was calling for the puck on that play and, you know, Lafreniere heard him and he just kind of passed the puck in his general direction because it was a no-look pass. Or maybe Lafreniere just kind of sensed that Mika was there, had a feeling that he would be in position for this drop pass. Uh, Either way, beautiful highlight real goal. Lafreniere leaves it for Mika. Mika takes care of the rest, absolutely blasting uh, the puck into the net, an absolute snipe. And uh, obviously, really, really nice to see something that, 
You know, I don't know. Is that like a true bona fide highlight reel? Oh my God, kind of a goal for Lafreniere. Maybe not quite, but it's it's the next tier down. It's close to being uh, a goal that fits that description. And I think a lot of us were waiting for a moment like that from Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, something else with Lafreniere, I think he's skating better post-All-Star break than we've ever seen him skate. There's just a certain explosiveness to his game right now. And if you guys notice, I know a big point of contention earlier in the season was, you know, a lot of Ranger fans, and rightfully so, were, you know, somewhat disappointed in the fact that the Rangers weren't playing Alexi Lafreniere for more minutes per night than they were. But if you look at this last handful of games here, again, I'm, I'm specifically looking at the six that were post-All-Star break. Lafreniere's ice time has absolutely skyrocketed. And I realize, again, that's kind of a byproduct of playing on the top line with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. Obviously, your ice time is going to see an uptick, but it's been dramatic. The six games that the Rangers have played since the All-Star break, his time on the ice in those six games has ranged from 1405 to 1938. And the 1938 was actually in this most recent game that Lafreniere played against the Canucks. And it was also a season high for Lafreniere. And again, big part of that is the fact that he's playing with Mika and Kreider and he's getting top line minutes. But I think he's also earned this increased ice time. You know, Gerard Gallant, he's been, I wouldn't necessarily say like unfair to Lafreniere, but he's definitely been tough on him. He's made him kind of earn his keep. And, you know, I think the fact that the Rangers have a lot of right wingers who are either out of the lineup or out of the picture for one reason or another, guys that were traded last season. There's an opening on the right wing. Lafreniere has had to switch positions. He's done it without any issues or any complaints. In fact, he's playing better on the right wing right now than I think we've ever seen him play on the left wing. But Lafreniere has stuck with it. He's hung in there. He's obviously playing better hockey, and he's getting reward for it with more minutes, which is absolutely fantastic to see. Because I think if you're the Rangers, you know, you're, you're part of this coaching staff, Gallant or any of his assistants or whatever it might be, you need to start having an eye toward the playoffs. And I realize, yes, the Rangers have not clinched yet. No team in hockey has clinched yet. But you look at the standing, the Rangers do have some breathing room. There is obviously still some work to be done, but I think you still have to kind of look into the future a little bit here, get this team set to play in the playoffs, get this team in a position where they have a chance to do some damage and go on a run. And I think the best way to do that is to keep feeding Alexi Lafreniere top six minutes. Even when Capo Caco comes back, I would leave Lafreniere on that top line with Mika and Kreider, put Caco with Strom and Panarin, because I am not going to mess with this. Alexi Lafreniere, once again, playing the best hockey that he has played since the Rangers drafted him. And I think you allow him to continue to stay in that position where he's been the most successful. And that's how you roll pretty much now until... Whenever the season ends, and I'm including the playoffs in that. So we'll see how it goes. But again, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Alexi Lafreniere playing on this top line here with Mika and Kreider and just hoping that it continues tonight against St. Louis and well beyond the rest of the regular season, hopefully the postseason as well. Hopefully, uh, you know, Alexi Lafreniere is just scratching the surface of what he can do in the NHL because I know some Ranger fans have been, you know, hoping for more for, from Lafreniere. And you can count me among you, but we're starting to get it. It's been very gradual. It's been a slow climb. But he's getting there, and again, he is taking full advantage of the opportunity to play with both Mika and Kreider. So we're just getting going here. There's a couple other takeaways. You know, we're going to spend varying amounts of time on, on different takeaways. Some might go on for a while, like this one did. Others might be kind of quick hitting and just kind of one to the next. And we're going to continue doing that. We're going to also, once again, talk about 
uh, the Rangers' schedule in March and take a glimpse at the matchup against the St. Louis Blues tonight. We will get to all that in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. All Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, Puffs included, 100% real chocolate. Low-calorie, high-protein, replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from 2 to 300 calories. Most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At Bilt Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCKS15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, keeping things rolling with another takeaway from the month of February for the Rangers here. And this one is kind of a hard truth that I think all of us are slowly realizing that we have to face. And that is that the secondary scoring just does not exist for this team, and the third line has really become a serious issue. I mean, this is the line that's supposed to give you some secondary scoring, and you know what's crazy is over these past you know handful of games, however far you want to go back here, the Rangers' third line has almost become the fourth line in terms of ice time because you look at recent time on the ice and you know the, the fourth line, which consists of Right now, Rooney, Reeves, and Goodrow, they're getting more ice time than the third line. And why not? Because at least that line is going to go out there and play physical. Uh, the players that make up the third line aren't really going to do that, at least not to the degree that the fourth line is. And furthermore, they actually I think the fourth line actually has a better chance of scoring a goal than the third line does. We saw uh, that trio that I just mentioned, Reeves, to Rooney, to Goodrow for a really nice goal against the Capitals a couple of games ago here. So uh, the fourth line is the fourth line in name only and, and by playing style, I suppose, as well. But they're getting more ice time than the third line, and rightfully so, because again, this Ranger third line is not really doing a whole lot to help the Rangers right now. And right now, the third line mostly consists of Philip Hedl and Julian Gauthier and Greg McKaig. And Morgan Barron is obviously just getting started his NHL career, and I think overall has looked good. Bottom line, he's only had a handful of games, so we'll uh, cut him a little bit of slack for the purposes of this exercise. And I know Philip Hedl has been a healthy scratch in recent games, but we're going to mostly focus in on Hedl and Gauthier because those are the guys that in a perfect world for the Rangers, they should be playing, uh, you know, fairly valuable third line minutes every night and, you know, at least putting up some kind of a threat that the Rangers might actually get a goal from their third line. It just hasn't been happening recently, and Philip Hedl has had to pay for it uh, by being a healthy scratch recently. Now, again, if it was up to me for many reasons, and we covered this on a recent episode, I would have Philip Hedl still in the lineup every single night, despite the fact that he's not producing. You know, obviously, I think he has a better chance of scoring than Greg McKegg does, and if you're the Rangers and you're looking to move Philip Hedl at or near the trade deadline, you're not exactly doing a lot to help his trade value by making him a healthy scratch in a lineup where, you know, Greg McKay and Dryden Hunt are on the ice every single night. So, yes, I would have Hedl playing, but again, you you look at this line, 
and they're just not getting the job done from an offensive perspective. And really, if Philip Hedl and Julian Gauthier are not going to help you offensively, then how are they going to help you, period? You know, I just don't see where their value is. And it's been quite the fall from grace from Philip Hedl because, you know, again, they are going with career journeymen, you know, guys like Dryden Hunt and guys like Greg McKaig, who have no upside to speak of. They work hard, they play hard, and all that good stuff. You know, they, they both play physical. Uh, but they're going with those two players over a 22-year-old former first-round pick by the New York Rangers themselves. It really is pretty stunning when you think about it that way. And, you know, Heedle this season, 12 points in 41 games. He had his best season last year, but it seems like he's kind of taken a step back this season. And he's just not contributing in any meaningful way as far as, you know, the offense is concerned. He hasn't been able to score. And I mentioned Julian Gauthier a second ago as well. Here are some pretty crazy stats. First of all, Julian Gauthier on the season has just three goals and three assists. But you know, to kind of compare him against some of his peers here, Ryan Reeves has four more points than Julian Gauthier, right? Reeves has 10 points this season. Braden Schneider has only one fewer point than Julian Gauthier. Braden Schneider just got here. You know, he, he basically just burst onto the scene not all that long ago. I believe he's got about 15 games under his belt. And if you want a really crazy stat, and listen, I know this is somewhat ridiculous and a little bit out there, but I'm still going to bring it up. And that stat is that Freddie Anderson, who is a goalie, has only two fewer points this season than Julian Gauthier. So that gives you an idea about, you know, where the offensive contributions from Julian Gauthier stand right now. And with Hedl and Gauthier, listen, it would be one thing if they were both rookies, they were both still kind of fighting their way in the NHL, if they had not really been given uh, that many opportunities, if they were playing, you know, six or seven minutes a night on the fourth line. But here's the thing. None of those things that I just mentioned are true. Philip Hedl has played 227 games with the Rangers. I realize he's still young, but he has played 227 games with the Rangers. He's averaging 12 minutes and 37 seconds of ice time per night this season and 13.44 for his career. Now, it's not a staggering amount of ice time, but it should be enough for him to do more than he's done. And Julian Gauthier this season is averaging 10 minutes and 22 seconds. Again, that's not a lot of ice time, but it should be enough to get more than six points, especially when you're, you know, playing in the top nine at least, you know, not banished to the fourth line with guys who can't score at all. And, you know, I've mentioned in the past that both these guys are somewhat snake-bitten, and I do still think that that's true to an extent, but they can't finish. These guys cannot finish their scoring opportunities. How many times this season have we seen Philip Hedl shoot wide, from the slot area or the high slot area or some fairly good, you know, scoring real estate, and he misses the net by three feet, four feet, five feet. It's just really surprising to see that. And with Gautier, I mean, how many times is Gautier going to get everybody excited? You guys know the play I'm talking about before I even describe it to you. How many times this season have we seen Julian Gautier go up, you know, either the right side or the left side, and then kind of veer toward the net, power his way to the net, and, you know, you're, you're thinking you're, you're going to see him stuff it in from the doorstep. He never scores on this play. He never, never scores on this play. He, he makes a great move. We saw him a couple games ago. You know, it's the same situation. He's going toward the net from the, from the boards, you know, toward the net. And he plays the puck between his own legs. I mean, you could hear like an audible reaction from the Madison Square Garden fans. I mean, they were in awe of it. So was I, you know, watching this. But then he gets to the net and he basically just jams the puck into the goalie's body. He, he's got no way of finishing. And, you know, we, we can talk about upside and potential all we want, but these guys just don't finish their chances. They never finish their chances. And I'm not going to completely give up on either one of these guys. 
there is such a thing as a late bloomer in this league. And Hedl and Gautier are just 22 and 24 years old, respectively. And I've preached patience. You know, I'm always the person that comes on here and says, you got to be patient with these kids. You got to give them a chance. But it's been so long since there's really even been that much of a pulse from either one of these guys. And I know there were some Ranger fans, you know, coming out of the All-Star break that were really raving about Philip Heedle the first couple games back from the All-Star break. I saw some good things from Heedle. I didn't see it to the extent that I think a lot of other fans did. And maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I think Heedle was moderately better coming out of the All-Star break, but he wasn't exactly jumping off the screen to me the way that I think he was for, you know, a lot of other Ranger fans. And I've said this before, I'll say it again, I do still think he should be playing over Greg McKaig, but I think if you're the Rangers, you know, we're, th- we're only three weeks away from the trade deadline here, so I think if you're the Rangers, you really need to think about what you want that third line to look like coming out of the trade deadline window, and more importantly, come playoff time, because right now, the Rangers don't really have the depth to spread out their scoring among the top three lines. I mean, does anybody want to see the Rangers put Mika Zibanejad on the third line to try to boost Julian Gauthier and Philip Heedle? Or do you want to put Panarin with those two? Or do you want to drop Kreider down to the third line? Yeah, probably not. So if Heedle and Gauthier are going to continue to give you what they've been giving, which is not a whole lot, then I don't see how you don't start at least looking at some different options if you're the Rangers, whether that's either a trade or potentially promoting somebody from the AHL. Something has to give here. And here's a stat that's going to just blow your mind. Julian Gauthier in his last 21 games, guess how many points he has? Seriously, take a guess before I before I reveal this. How many points does Julian Gauthier have in his last 21 games? One. He has one point. He scored a goal against the Coyotes on January 22nd. That was a game that the Rangers won 7-3. Philip Heedle, in his last 18 games, has just two goals and three assists. It's just not enough. We're not getting enough from these guys. We're not getting enough from the third line. And if you take away a four-game point streak from Heedle in that 18-game streak that I just talked about, which I realize is completely unfair, but if you do that, you take away that four-game point streak, Heedle's got one point in his last 14 games. So, not good. I'm not going to completely give up. And you know what? I would say for the time being, Hedl and Gautier should still both be on the third line. You should give them a chance. But again, if you're the Rangers, you have to identify this, at least as of now, unless one or both of these guys catch fire soon. This is a weakness of the team right now. They're just not getting anything out of the third line. And I realize there's more to hockey than scoring, but really, what else are you expecting to get from Hedl and Gautier? Because they're not going to play great defensive hockey. Neither one of them really kind of has a reputation of, of being like, you know, a great defensive forward. They're not going to kill penalties. They're not going to play all that physical. I mean, Gautier actually has more hits than you might think. He's averaging about two hits per game this season, but it's not really his calling card. They're not going to really do anything on the power play. The two of them combined this season have a grand total of one power play point, which is an assist from Philip Hedl. Uh, They're not going to block shots. Hedl can't win any faceoffs, so I just don't see where the value is right now. And I hate to do this. I like to come on here and be positive, but right now, facts are facts. We are 53 games into the season, I think it is, and they're just not getting anything out of these guys. They're not, Hedl and Gautier are just not doing enough to help this Ranger team win. So we'll see what happens. I mean, there is still time for them to figure it out. But again, I think the Rangers really, really need to think long and hard about what they want this third line to look like come playoff time. Because right now, this just isn't enough. And you know what? I hope I'm wrong about both these guys. I hope they both go out there against St. Louis tonight and combine for like five points. They're all over the ice. They're very, very noticeable. And they basically just make me eat my words. I would love to see that happen. But 
through 53 games this season, we haven't really seen it at all. Maybe some small little flashes here and there, but nothing even resembling consistent hockey and consistent strong play from this Ranger third line. And again, I think that falls on Philip Hedel and Julian Gauthier because from a scoring perspective, that's what those guys are out there for. They are out there to produce some points, give you some secondary scoring, and they just haven't done it. So uh, we'll continue talking about some other big Ranger takeaways from the month of February. This is the only negative one that I had on my list, and I want to kind of get it out of the way here because for the most part, uh, I think it was a good month for the Rangers. I think this team is looking good heading forward. We've got a lot more positive takeaways from the month of February, and we will get into all those in just a second. A couple other takeaways from the month of February for the Rangers, and like I said, they're all positive the rest of the way. Uh, this one is probably a little bit less bold. It's probably my least bold of anything on here, but Braden Schneider is in the NHL to stay. And you could even argue that we all knew this before February even started. But if there was any doubt remaining, I believe Braden Schneider has erased all of it. Uh, as I've mentioned in the past, Schneider was considered one of the safest picks of the 2020 NHL draft. And I think we're all seeing why he just does not have any holes in his game. He pretty much does everything well. Uh, 16 games into his career here, one goal, four assists. He is a plus one, 27 hits, and just looks like he belongs. You know, stats are one thing, but this kid is playing with a lot of confidence, and I wasn't so sure we would even see him this year, you know, at least at the beginning of the season, because if you look at the start of the season, the Rangers' top five defenseman spots were basically all spoken for. Even Gerard Gallant said as much, and it basically was coming down to a two-man race between Nils Lundqvist and Zach Jones. The two of them were kind of battling it out for the final spot. Lundqvist initially won that battle, but ever since that happened, we've seen Braden Schneider basically just kind of climb the ladder in a short amount of time here. He's already averaging 15 minutes and 57 seconds of ice time per night. That is no small amount. Uh, we've seen him at least make a cameo on the second power play unit. You know, a couple couple appearances there. I believe there was a time where, you know, Adam Fox was out of the lineup. Truba moved from the second unit up to the top unit. So that opened up a spot on the second power play unit for Braden Schneider, and he's doing great. Again, you know, he's out there. He can kill penalties. Uh, the Rangers don't seem to shy away from using him in big spots in the game. And on top of all that, you know, his teammates really seem to like him. There was a story about how Braden Schneider reacts in a funny way to certain things when he's sitting on the bench. Like, uh, apparently his teammates think it's really funny whenever Braden Schneider reacts to something that Artemi Panarin does, because apparently Schneider is just like in complete awe of Panarin and, and the things he can do on the ice. So that's kind of funny in and of itself. Uh, but really, I don't think Braden Schneider's promotion to the NHL could really be going a whole lot better right now. And, you know, before Schneider, you could argue that one of the biggest Ranger weak spots on this team was that third defensive pairing. We've basically had a revolving door of Patrick Nemeth, Jared Tenorti, Nils Lundqvist, Libor Hayek, Zach Jones, but I don't think any of them have really been all that close to Braden Schneider. Jones is probably the only one that can even hold a candle to Schneider, but Schneider, again, he has really sort of stabilized the bottom defense pairing for the New York Rangers. He's at least got, you know, half of it held down there. So going to be very interesting to see how the left side shakes out with Nemeth and Jones. We'll see how they handle that whole situation. Obviously, Nemeth uh, missed some games due to, uh, you know, the birth of his child. Uh, but Schneider has firmly entrenched himself as one half of the third defense pairing. And that's something that a lot of other Ranger defensemen had an opportunity to do earlier this season. We just went through the whole list. None of them was really able to do it, but Schneider has. I don't think there's any chance he comes out of this lineup or goes back to the AHL or anything like that. Braden Schneider is here to stay. Another big takeaway for the Rangers, and this kind of ties into everything I just said about Braden Schneider, but the Rangers do not need to trade for a defenseman, and I don't think that they should trade for a defenseman. 
And, you know, the big name that has come up a couple of times among Ranger fans is Jacob Chikrin. And I've obviously talked about him a little bit on here as well. I get the appeal. You know, he's 23 years old. I think that obviously, you know, he's shown some flashes with a really bad Coyotes team. And, you know, he's under contract for three years at $4.6 million a season. But that's just it. I don't feel like taking on a contract that's going to pay Jacob Chikrin, who's good, but I don't think an elite defenseman by any stretch of the imagination, that's going to pay him $4.6 million a season for the next year. And, you know, we've talked about the Pavel Buchnevich trade on here before. One thing that I've tried to avoid doing is, you know, going through the entire Ranger offseason and saying, well, if the Rangers didn't bring in this player and they didn't trade for that player and they didn't do this and they didn't do that and they didn't do this other thing, then Pavel Buchnevich could still be here. I, again, not my favorite thing the Rangers have ever done, trading Pavel Buchnevich, but I at least understood it from a financial perspective, given the fact that the Rangers did all these crazy contract, ex- they, not crazy, they just did all these contract extensions this offseason. I think everybody's happy that Adam Fox, Mika Zibanejad, and Igor Shesterkin are locked up long-term. So it was a necessary evil to part ways with Pavel Buchnevich. But if you're going to bring in a defenseman in Jacob Chikrin, who's been decent, I guess, you know, considering once again the fact that he plays on the Coyotes, and you're going to pay him $4.6 million over the next three years, you can't tell me that Jacob Chikrin playing on your third defense pairing, because that's where he would be. He's not going to leapfrog Keandre Miller or Jacob Truba or anybody else. He's going to be on your third defense pairing. You can't tell me that a third defense pairing player making $4.6 million per season is a better investment than Pavel Buchnevich making $5.8 million per season when he would be on your top line and presumably giving the Rangers a, a big-time boost right now because we've talked about, you know, the lack of depth at right wing and, uh, you know, obviously he could he could help them out in that area. Maybe Buchnevich would be with Panarin and, uh, and Strom because we've seen Lafreniere have really good success with Mika and Kreider. But bottom line, Buchnevich would be in a top-six role and he'd be very likely helping the Rangers in a big-time way. Pavel Buchnevich would be more important to the Rangers than Jacob Chikrin would, and it's only for a moderately bigger salary. As far as other, you know, trade options, there are some potential rentals out there. You know, you've got guys like Mark Giordano, if you want to bring in a veteran. You've got Ben Sherratt. You've got Hampus Lindholm, although the Ducks are kind of in playoff contention, so maybe they wouldn't do that. I mean, it's hard to say for sure. I mean, Nick Letty is a name that I've thrown out a couple times in the past, but really... Are any of these guys really all that worth it? I mean, I feel like the Rangers right now should probably let it come down to either Patrick Nemeth or Zach Jones. And if you're going to make a move for a rental, okay, but let's not give up a whole lot. Let's just bring in somebody that's a little bit of an upgrade on what Patrick Nemeth is giving you. And I think any trade that the Rangers do to bring in a defenseman, which again, I would not trade for a defenseman, but if the Rangers want to go down that road, I think part of the deal should be that the team that the Rangers are doing business with should have to also acquire Patrick Nemeth so that the Rangers can basically just dump his contract. And then the Rangers would have a rental on their hands and somebody that's an option for the playoffs this season. And then going into next season, I think you roll with Braden Schneider and Zach Jones as, you know, the bottom defense pairing on this team. But I don't think the Rangers should be striking any blockbuster deal, you know, to bring in a big time defenseman or anything like that, or, you know, committing to somebody beyond just being a rental for the, the stretch run this season. And I think the Rangers, the way their defensemen have played, the top five defensemen have all been great. I just don't think it's nearly as big of a need for the Rangers as a right winger or possibly even a center as well.
I'm going to keep this one kind of short because we've got a couple other things I want to talk about here at the tail end of the episode. But another positive takeaway, this is the best that the Rangers special teams units have cumulatively performed in a very long time. And I'm not just talking about this season. We're not just looking at February here. I'm talking about however many years you want to go back. It's very rare that the Rangers are this good on both the power play and the penalty kill at the same time. The Rangers right now fifth in the league on the power play with a success rate of 25.3%. They are also 7th in the NHL on the PK with a success rate of 82.7%. So obviously great work from the special teams units. It's been a strength of the Rangers all season and something that will be very, very important come playoff time. The month of March is going to be very, very challenging for the Rangers. They play 15 games in the span of just 29 days. And nine of those games are going to be on the road. That also includes a four-game road trip that begins this Sunday. They are at Winnipeg, at Minnesota, at St. Louis, and at Dallas for that four-game road trip. Before that, though, obviously, we've got the home matchup against the Blues tonight and a home matchup against the Devils on Friday. They play the Blues twice in this month. They also play the Penguins twice in this month, and those are going to be heated games for sure. We saw what happened the first time the Rangers played the Penguins, and I actually made a little bit of a mistake the other day. I said that they only had one back-to-back this month. I missed the weekend back-to-back, which will be at Tampa Bay and at Carolina on Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th. That's obviously going to be a very challenging two-game stretch for the Rangers there, two elite teams, and the Rangers playing both those games on the road. And then there's another back-to-back at the very end of the month, the final two games that the Rangers will play in March at Pittsburgh and at Detroit. Uh, They play some really good teams. They also play some bad teams. They've got two matchups against the Devils. They've got one game against the Islanders and one game against Buffalo. Those are, you know, the weakest teams that I can see on this list. I guess the Jets haven't really been doing so so good either, but I wouldn't put them in the same category as the other teams I just mentioned. But it is a challenging month, and the Rangers are going to have to continue to take care of business against teams that are not so good. They've been banking points against weaker teams, non-playoff teams, and that's a trend that's going to certainly need to continue throughout the month of March here. And finally, I want to talk about the Rangers giving Johnny Brodzinski a two-year contract extension. It's something that I've been meaning to get to for a while here, but obviously we've done uh, you know some post-game recaps and some crossover episodes, which are always a lot of fun. Uh, but Johnny Brodzinski, once again, 28 years old for anybody who needs a refresher here, right winger, and he gets the two-year contract to stay in the fold with the New York Rangers. He spent most of his career in the AHL, former fifth-round pick going number 148 overall to the Kings all the way back in 2013. And in parts of six seasons with the Kings, Sharks, and Rangers, he's played a total of 67 games. He has seven goals and six assists in that time while averaging nine minutes and 49 seconds of ice time per night in his NHL career. He has spent the last two seasons with the Rangers and the Wolfpack, appeared in five games with the Rangers this season, appeared in five games with the Rangers last season. Uh, Bottom line, I think this is an organizational depth signing. I don't think the Rangers obviously have any you know, plans of him becoming a breakout superstar for this team or anything like that. But again, for an organizational depth signing, this definitely works for me. It is worth noting, we got to point this out, Johnny Brodzinski is absolutely tearing it up in the AHL right now. And actually, he was recalled to the Rangers uh, just yesterday, in fact. He has served as the captain of the Wolfpack. He has a team-high 18 goals for the Wolfpack and is second on the team only to Anthony Greco with 21 assists. So he's got a team-high 39 points in 36 games. We'll see if the Rangers look to insert him into the lineup. I mean, as we just talked about, the depth scoring and the guys that have been making up the third line for the majority of the season, it just 
hasn't been a good formula. You know, they're, they're just not producing the way you'd like to see them produce. So maybe it's time for Johnny Brodzinski to get a chance here. We'll see what happens. Uh, maybe the Rangers are also about to make a trade. You know, there's been some speculation that Heedle's been held out because maybe a trade is in place and the final details are just being worked out. And maybe somebody like Johnny Brodzinski could be in the mix to either take Philip Heedle's place in the lineup or you know, maybe be a healthy scratch for the Rangers and somebody who can be ready uh, as another option. He can jump in there at a moment's notice. We'll see. There, there's a lot of different ways that this can shake out. But uh, Brodzinski also is the captain of the Hartford Wolfpack. And so to me, it just seems likely the Rangers like him as an NHL, AHL swingman and somebody that can kind of be a leader for some of the young guys on the Hartford Wolfpack and obviously be a very strong contributor to the Hartford Wolfpack because obviously, you know, he leads the team in points right now. You want to see your AHL team succeed and get these guys as ready as possible for NHL action. And with Brodzinski, I think he does all of that. And again, he could be in line maybe to see a little bit of playing time with the Rangers down the stretch here. We'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, but that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we'll be breaking down everything that happens between the Rangers and Blues as Pavel Buchnevich makes his return to Madison Square Garden. Now make your second listen, Lockdown Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Rodine and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.